Jelly Bean. Jelly Bean, where are you, buddy? Oh, gosh. This is the third time he has creeped out of this sheep pen. Where could he be? Jelly Bean. Hey, we're serving uh, s'mores at the campfire tonight. You don't want to miss it. Oh, he does this every time. Excuse me, ma'am. Have you seen a little lamb running around here? About the size of a gallon of eggnog, same color? You sure? He's really cute. You sure you didn't put him into your purse or anything like that? No, okay, all right. Jelly Bean, come on, man. Where are you? Don't you know how dark and dangerous it is out here? I gotta get you back. He could be just, oh, wait a second. Hold your camels. Where do you go when you've lost something? Yeah, back to where you last saw it. Jelly Bean. Hey, Jelly Bean. Where are you, man? Oh, 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 there you are. I thought you might have come back this way. Man, you had me worried. Folks, this is, uh, this is Jelly Bean. He was the runt of the last litter, and so he's obviously our little jelly bean. But you know, he keeps getting out and coming back to the manger. Part of it, is, I think he is so amazed at what happened there. When all of his shepherds came and I brought him along, he was too small to stay home. And we looked at the Son of Man, the Son of God, King of Kings, Christ the Lord. In fact, I'd like to tell you our story tonight, the story of the shepherds, and, well, Jelly Bean's going to have to be held by somebody here so that I uh, don't have to worry about him. Can you take him home with you? Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, folks, let's, let's take a minute this morning. My name is Doug. I'm one of the shepherds here at Trinity. I'm going to have to find a place for this. And we are so glad that you have taken your Christmas morning to be here to celebrate and to hear the message of peace on earth, goodwill to man. That's the story of the shepherds. It's found in Luke chapter 2. Our friend Luke records it for us. So let me start by reading it for you. Luke says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Isn't that just like the government for you? They want to know who you are and where you're from. Luke goes on to say, This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. You remember him. Not a real nice guy. And everyone went to be registered to his own town. So Joseph went up from Galilee, from Nazareth, to Bethlehem, which was the city of David. He was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with his wife Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn. And she wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them at the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field. That was my buddies and I. We were keeping watch over our flocks by night, and an angel of the Lord appeared to us, and the glory of the Lord radiated around us. And the angel said to us, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that are for all the people. Are any of you people this morning? This is news for all of us. 
not just the Jews, but Gentiles alike. This is for all the people. For unto us is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign for you. Now that perked our ears up. We liked signposts. We liked indicators, guidance. This will be the sign for you. You will find this baby wrapped in sparganoa. Now you guys call it swaddling cloths. And lying in a fatain. You would call it a manger. These were terms we were very familiar with as shepherds in the field. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is blessed. And when the angels went away into heaven, we said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. And we went with haste, and we found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when we had seen it, we made known the saying that had been told us concerning its child. And all who heard it were wondering at what we told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And we returned to the field, glorifying and praising God for all we had heard and seen. And I love the way Luke records this last part, just as it had been told us. What an amazing night. Can you believe that? We didn't get back to the field till 4 a.m., Bethlehem's a pretty small place. In fact, you can almost spit clear across town. But that night, we woke up just about everybody in Bethlehem with our shouting and our joy and the message of deliverance and hope and peace. And it says that everyone in town wondered at the things that we were saying to them. How about you this morning? Would you be amazed to hear shouts of peace and joy in Redlands? Have you come this morning interested in more peace and joy in your own life? Is there a desire for a greater happiness and a greater sense of completeness in your life? And of course, I think all of us would say, of course we want that. Of course we want more of those things. But here's the thing. Lasting peace and joy are never something we attain on our own. As hard as we try, Lasting peace and joy are not produced by human efforts. And we know this because over the course of human history, from the beginning of recorded time, the world has been at peace 8% of the time. That's 286 years where there has been peace. The rest of the time there's been conflict. And in that time, 8,000 peace treaties have been signed and recorded with the intent that they would last forever. And the average time they lasted was two years. So we understand just from human history that lasting peace and joy don't come from human efforts. It doesn't come from political pursuits. It comes from something completely different. And that's where the story of the shepherds, my story, begins. God proclaimed this message of peace on earth, goodwill toward men, in a place as remote and insignificant as you could ever want it to be. He chose Bethlehem. Bethlehem, this backwater, podunk, pit stop of a town six miles from Jerusalem. And he chooses shepherds to be the ones to announce this birth. So folks, by human standards, this is not the place, these are not the people that you would normally choose to pick to give this message to the world. But the angels 
focused our attention on a little child lying in a fatain, bound up with spaganoa in a manger with swaddling clothes. In fact, he was a very different kind of child. You can go through all of the New Testament and you will not find the terms that they used for this baby used of anyone else. They said he is the savior of the world. He's a person who has the know-how and the power to fully restore all things, to transform them into something new. He has that power. He is the Christ, the anointed one, a king to rule, a priest to cleanse. And he is, last of all, the Lord himself, the creator of all things that exist. So when we look at this child, he is far greater than Isaac Newton. He is far more powerful and inventive than Thomas Edison or Mozart or Michelangelo or Elon Musk. In fact, the angels would tell us that this child gave to those individuals their intellect and their creativity to do what they do. He is the Lord of all things. And so the angel shocked us with this description, but he didn't stop there, not by a long shot. Luke tells us in verse 12, this will be the sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a host, which the Romans called 6,000 was their host, angels appeared, not singing, but shouting glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. What they were saying to us was that the child was very nearby and, and we were supposed to find him. And so we did. Those of you who are familiar with Old Testament uh, temple practices know that Bethlehem was to the temple what Costco is to a city. Both were the places to find the best of everything. You go to Costco for bulk foods and big screen TVs, right? You go to Bethlehem to find the lambs that are unblemished and available for temple sacrifice. Bethlehem was the place where these lambs were raised. In fact, in the fields of Bethlehem, there were thousands of sheep that had been specifically set aside for temple sacrifice because it was so close to Jerusalem. And every day in the temple, there were two of them that needed to be sacrificed for the sins of the nation, one in the morning, one in the afternoon. And that doesn't even count the fact that we have these great festivals of Passover and Yom Kippur where lambs are also sacrificed. And for the sins of every individual at that time, a lamb had to be sacrificed. So there were thousands of them in the fields around Bethlehem. And we weren't just any old shepherds. Jewish oral tradition will tell you that we were actually priests trained as shepherds to evaluate every newborn lamb, to find out is it unblemished, is it perfect, is it without deformity, and if it was, it could join the flock. And if it was not, it was sent away. So every lamb in Bethlehem was considered a perfect lamb. And you could go to the temple and buy one for your sacrifice, and we would bring it in as the priest shepherds. Think about that. What a perfect way to announce the birth of the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world than to send him to Bethlehem, the city of David, where he would be king, and have a priest shepherd go to examine him when he was first born. Is this the unblemished Lamb of God?
So when the angels announced to us, this is the sign. This baby will be born in a manger. We called it a fatain. And he will be wrapped in swaddling cloths. We called them spaganoa. We knew exactly where to go. And that's why Luke says we went with haste. We didn't have to figure it out. We didn't need a GPS. We knew to go to the Tower of the Flock. The Tower of the Flock was a building much like a stable. It was on the north end of Bethlehem, on the road to Jerusalem, six miles from it. And it was a tower where we would take every pregnant ewe, every pregnant lamb, to the tower to be examined. And we would lay that newborn baby lamb in the fatain. It was a hewn-out area of a limestone rock. And we would bind it with the spaganoa so that it wouldn't thrust itself around and harm itself in the course of the examination. And we would bind the legs, and we would make sure that it was secure so that we could take a look at it and find out, is this a sacrificial lamb that can be used in the temple or not? So we came to the tower of the flock. And it's so interesting that God arranged it this way because the prophet in the Old Testament, Micah, writes of this moment. And he says in chapter 4, verse 8, these words, And you, O tower of the flock, Migdal Adair, hill of the daughter of Zion, to you shall it come. What is the it? To you shall it come, the former dominion, King David's rule shall come, kingship for the daughter of Jerusalem at the tower of the flock. And Micah goes on to write in Micah 5.2, But from you, O Bethlehem Ephratah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient times. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor gives birth. Who was that? Mary. When Mary gives birth at the tower of the flock, then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel, and he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. He shall be their peace. So that announcement from the angels told us exactly where to go. It told us exactly what to look for because we were so familiar with this. Every day we were taking pregnant lambs there and every day we were wrapping in them in swaddling clothes and every day we were laying them in the manger. And so it gave us the opportunity to go. And in fact, it made us incredibly curious. And Luke writes, when the angels went away from us into heaven, we said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see these things that have happened which the Lord has made known to us. And so folks, knowing that we broke out of our routine, we resisted the urge to just be hearers of the word and do nothing else. We took action, we dug deeper, we pursued the mysterious. This Christmas, what wonders of God are you pursuing? Has Christmas become just another celebration, another holiday, another time off from school or work? Or is there something about it that you want to unravel, a profound mystery of God that is embedded in this moment? What revealed truth from God are you curious to know better? When we arrived at the Tower of the Flock and saw this baby and Mary and Joseph there, we could not believe it. 
We were so excited. And that's why we began to go through town just shouting the message. But it caused us to do something more. It caused us to worship. Luke says, they returned glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told us. As it had been told us. We have the privilege, don't we, of having the word of God that tells us this story and gives us all of the information, but the fidelity of that, the truthfulness of that, the accuracy of that is where the joy and peace come from. When we came back and realized everything he told us was exactly the way it was, every detail was there, not a word was missing or misspoken. That is when our joy kicked in. That is when our peace arrived and we worshiped. And it was based on three things. It was the faithfulness of God. It was exactly the way he told us. It was the gift of God, his son, the Christ child, the king, the priest, where John writes, for God so loved the world that he gave at Bethlehem his only one-of-a-kind son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. This was the gift. And it was that invitation to come, to experience, to realize, yeah, this is the real deal. This is God at work. So it was not just the birth of a baby. It was a work of God. And this Christmas, we invite you to come and take a fresh look in the manger. This unexpected gift, the wrapping was not all that great, as Rick and Becca pointed out. It was not the kind of thing that would attract us to him. Isaiah wrote us that. He was not one that was attractive to mankind, but he was God in human form. And so this Christmas, we invite you, encounter his faithfulness. Come and examine his gift. Hear his invitation. Don't be just hearers of the word. Be doers, someone who actually acts on what God has presented. And that is the source of our true and lasting peace and joy. We'd like to invite you to pray as we wrap this service up. We're going to be reflecting in a moment on uh, the, the song and words of O Holy Night, but would you bow your heads with me for a moment? And let's thank God for this gift, this unexpected gift. Father, as we think about this Christmas story, it's so easy to let it be just a Christmas moment filled with a lot of the things that our world has packed into it, all of which in many ways reflect you and your work. There's a gift of the sun. There's the beauty and brilliance of the lights of heaven, the stars. There's the music and announcement from the heaven, heavenly realms. Father, there is the fidelity and the truthfulness of your word to us. But God, you don't want us to be people who just hear it, make it through the day with all of its celebration and move on. God, you want this to be a transformative moment. And so we pray this morning that our hearts and our minds would become transformed because we hear the word of God, we act on it, and we come, and we find that you truly are the almighty God who is faithful and true, and we experience a new joy and a new peace because of it. God, we thank you for this day. Thank you for all who have come today to celebrate. May we find Christ truly in Christmas. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Folks, we would love to have you come back in January. Next week is a family service to celebrate the new year. We're going to be reflecting on some really great thoughts about life and this uh, 
the scriptures. We're also, in, on the 8th, going to be starting a new sermon series called The Life We've Always Wanted. And in it, we're simply going to be talking about how do we build our families into these units that are able to share joys and, and burdens uh, born together? How, how can we act in love and have acceptance toward others? Uh, how can we experience positive personal growth and a deepening faith in God? And we're going to take seven or eight weeks and just talk about the life we've always wanted. We'd love to have you come back. For right now, as we close the service, we would ask you to just pause and reflect a little bit on what you've heard today, what you've experienced, how God wants to speak to you, and we'll celebrate closing up our service with O Holy Night. Thank you for being here.